1: to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to be with you today and delighted to have with us our co-host Carol Zerniel, a nationally known gerontologist. She serves as executive director of the Wellman Charitable Foundation, a graduate of Trinity University and uh, the University of the Incarnate Word here in San Antonio, where she earned a master's in social gerontology. And she has been hip deep, last week I said knee deep, hip deep in COVID-19 on behalf of Uh, WellMed on behalf of seniors across this community uh, providing help and food and services that they might not otherwise have and in a meeting today that uh, takes place once or so a week uh, many of the senior management in WellMed, Carol, as as you know so well, are concerned that because of COVID-19 and the fear which we have driven into them, the fear seniors have of even sticking their nose outside their door, Many are neglecting doctor's appointments and put themselves at risk.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, our message to all the caregivers out there is that routine health care managing chronic illnesses is so important. We have literally had two patients that had a chronic illness, left unattended, that didn't want to go to the hospital, drove to our clinics in the parking lot and actually died in their cars in the parking lot, which sounds wow. extreme. But um, if you look at the data across the United States, you can see that people are indeed dying of preventable causes that are non-COVID related. It is their regular diabetes, their heart disease, those, you know, all of those health issues that they've been dealing with for all these years, and they're just neglecting.
1: And for the caregivers who are listening and for extended family, friends and others, make sure that uh, folks who are uh, in, in a medical program who are maybe well met patients or other patients that they get in and take care of those rarely scheduled visits because they're designed to save your life.
2: That's right. And there's other ways to see a doctor besides in person. A lot of, you know, we deliver grand pad tablets. It can be telephonic. It can be in the parking lot. So call your doctor, get comfortable, and take care of your chronic illnesses.
1: And with that, we're going to welcome our two very special guests today, to Caregiver SOS on air. Husband and wife team, Barry Jacobs and Julia Mayer. Uh, Barry is a uh, uh, psychologist, as a clinical psychology practice and is known literally across this country for his work in dealing with families and with caregivers. Uh, Julia is also a psychologist, and I was teasing her before we went on the air, uh self-described psychodynamically oriented psychologist in private practice in um, media Pennsylvania, and it's really good to talk to both of you. Thanks for coming on.
3: Hey, Ron, really thank you for having us. It's the pleasure for us as always.
1: Thanks. Uh, well, you're welcome. Uh, as Carol and I were just talking, uh, the challenge for caregivers now is not only the challenge of being a caregiver, uh, but fear of going out and yet the need to get uh, medical care and treatment uh, for the person who is the care recipient and perhaps for the caregiver themselves, Has never been greater. Folks are literally, as you heard Carol say, uh, dying in clinic parking lots because they put off going to the doctor for too long. Barry, how do you deal with that within a couple, within a family?
3: Uh, Well, I I thought that you and Carol mentioned a few very important things. So, first first off, um, you need to be in, in ongoing contact with your primary care providers, and that may be by by phone, or better yet, it's on one of the video platforms. It could be FaceTime or Skype. Or Zoom, but uh, we have lots of ways for, for folks to, to continue to be in contact with their healthcare providers and not to neglect their health. Uh, and really, what it takes is, is the willingness for folks that have never used one of these video platforms to try it. And what, what, uh, what I have seen is that when people try it, they actually uh, love them, that, and, and the, the providers love them too, that they, because a lot can get, can get done over video or even over the phone. It's not the same as seeing your provider in person, but that um, still it is far better than doing nothing.
1: Uh, Julia, I was interested uh, to read in, in your bio that uh, you do a lot of work with women who have histories of sexual trauma, eating disorders, troubled marriages, and that uh, you, you're f- focusing your work more and more on supporting family caregivers. And we often run into the situation uh, where the person, normally a female, Uh, who has caregiving dropped in their lap, happens to be the the woman that the care recipient abused when she was a child and and causes huge uh, emotional trauma.
4: Absolutely. I've seen that many times. You know, I'll work with the the caregiver in that situation who has that trauma history in relation with the care receiver um, to carefully differentiate the past from the present. In the present, the care receiver, often an aging parent, is in a different state than he may have been when he was an abusive parent when she was a child. And so for her, it's doing the right thing, taking care of the parent, unless he continues to be abusive. That's a different issue. But if he's really just suffering from whatever it is that requires caregiving, then um, her job is to be a good daughter a good caregiver a good provider and not really revisit things that happened decades earlier and if those things are coming up you know as they may um in therapeutic work we'll talk about them but the goal is to really see the care receiver as almost a different person at this point um in a very different stage of life with with very different needs and the caregiver is the one with the with the um most of the control in
1: the situation at that point. And Barry, you've seen similar situations.
3: Uh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, unfortunately, Ron, as you as you allude, it, it's not uncommon. Uh, I, I've seen it not just with a, 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 an adult caring for a parent who may have been abusive, but with a, a spouse who may have been abusive. And in the work that both you and I do, we we have to help uh, those caregivers understand that the, the person who was there. Their, their abuser and who victimized them before, no longer has that power. And that if, if they decide, if they choose to, to hang in there and continue to provide care for them, it, it, it's because they're, they're doing it for moral or religious reasons or because they, they just think it's the right thing to do and, and not necessarily because they, they no longer have the control of the situation. They are in control. They can regard this as just an act of mercy to someone who, who may not have treated them well in the past, but that they want to do the right thing because they, they have to judge themselves uh, on, on the basis of their own moral code. Uh, and, not, and, and so when, when we can help people get to that more detached uh, point of view, then, then they often go ahead and will, will provide care. However, that said, there, there are some caregivers for whom the, the act of caregiving is in itself a lead victimization for them, and they, they just can't do it. And then it's, it really is best for them to find other ways of providing care for their spouse
1: rather than do it
2: themselves. Carol? Well, you know, what you're describing is sort of looking at relationships and redefining them, um, and, and these are pretty extreme examples, but the two of you actually have a book that helps couples to look at redefining their relationships as well, Love and Meaning After 50. So can you talk about uh, what that title means to you all as the authors?
4: Well, we found when our children left and we were empty nesters that we had a little work to do on our relationship because we'd been pretty child focused for years. And we thought we can't be the only ones who um, have some big changes to go through as we age. And we realized that there are so many challenges and maybe even developmental challenges, hopefully, for couples over 50 between downsizing, retirement, financial changes, sexual changes, old infidelities, current infidelities. There's so many um, issues that couples have to face, and oftentimes, even though they're painful, we see those as an opportunity for couples to grow together, to develop, and to work on building um, their relationship into something better than it's been.
3: And, and i and I would just add to what Julie said by saying that it it it, it, it people come to a point and usually if it, it's not you know the day they turn fifty then at some point I wish they'd realized they're in a different stage of life and they're you know they're looking forward to to um this next phase where maybe they're not job rearing anymore and they're and they have to really renegotiate who they are as individuals and who they are as a couple, and sometimes they find a different balance between how much of their emphasis is going to be on me time versus we time. How much are they going to spend more time together than they did in the past? Are they going to spend less time together than they did in the past? Uh, but all of this is, is kind of grit for the mill. This is all up for negotiation. But what it requires is, is a willingness on the part of both spouses to approach this um, as a as, a, as, a, as a negotiation, and a conversation, and, a, and an adventure. That, they, that they're going to approach these years going forward as a chance to... Develop new ideas, develop new hobbies, new new uh, interests, but also develop new facets of the relationship. And then when, when, when people do that, they oftentimes really deepen and strengthen the relationship better than it's ever been before.
1: Well, as both of you know, we are living in amazing, unbelievable, and scary times. And with COVID 19, uh, lots of people in that over 50, 55, 60 age range. Uh, now have lost their jobs, and so uh, they're living on the edge, uh, putting even more pressure uh, on that marriage, which uh, seems to me to be uh, sometimes a, a burden that individuals, let alone marriages, can ha- can handle. What do you advise couples in that situation?
3: Well, it's not only the stress of, of job loss, but it's just the stress of, of two people being under the same roof, you know, like 24 hours a day now, uh, when previously they... They had a little bit of respite from one another during the the day when one went to work or both went to work. So, uh, I mean, there's there's some some real challenges for for couples now. And, and in fact, you know, we know a a divorce attorney that lives near us who who, uh, told us that she she has been seeing an increase in business, that that she's seen more people coming in and saying, you know, I'm I'm cooped up with him and I just can't take it anymore and I need to to find a, a different way of living. That said, I mean, there is a small minority of marriages that don't cope well and, and, and uh, don't do well under these conditions. But for others, it really kind of forces the kind of reckoning that people, spouses come to this place where they say, this is really hard and I can't, I can't escape the person I'm with. I have to figure out a way to be with them. And, and we, whatever problems we have economically, you know, in terms of our health, in terms of the health of our children, in terms of, of any other problems going on in the family, we, we have to really act more as a team than we ever had before. And now let's figure out how to do that. Um, and so there, there is this, this impetus for growth that may never existed before as well.
4: One of the most common um, things that couples fight about is money. So if, if one spouse has lost a job, It's automatically going to be a stressful interaction for many, many couples, and um, you know we have a whole chapter in our book on finance, um, and the idea is every time there's a challenge, um, it's an opportunity too for a couple to work through their differences, to learn more about one another, to learn about how each each one sees the future, to to work together to um, overcome those kinds of uh, hurdles
1: that couples. Now, hold that, hold that thought. We're going to come right back to the both of you. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel We're talking with Barry Jacobs, his wife, Julia Mayer, both distinguished, well-known psychologists who are known across this country for their work. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. Well, we thank you so much for being with us here on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, a program brought to you by the Med Charitable Foundation. And with us on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline is Barry Jacobs and Julia Meyer. They're both well-known, nationally-known psychologists who uh, have spent Really decades working on behalf of folks in marriages, out of marriages, dealing with the kind of issues that we were talking about. And I'm trying to reconnect now with our co-host. There she is, Carol Czernio. We're on FaceTime because Carol is sequestered in a uh, a bunker somewhere uh, deep in the Adirondack Mountains. So we're not quite sure where she is, but we get her on FaceTime. So she's protected from that uh, COVID virus. So Barry and, and Julia... As you you write a book, uh, and I'm assuming you turned in the the final draft and copy before the virus hit, right? That's right. So what did you say to each other?
3: Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) We have a
4: lot more time now.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, so this is our second book. So one one of the things that happened with us is our kids kids went away to college and, uh, you know, went about their adult lives. And and then we, uh, as Julie said, we had a kind of, figure out who who we were, and one of the things that we decided to do was to to write a book in 2016 together called AARP Meditations for Caregivers, and that was a book that uh, then led us to to do all kinds of speaking and other writing, and it it became something that was a way for us to give give back to the world some of what we had learned from our own caregiving experiences with our own parents. But it also was a way for us to, to enhance our, our our marriage by having this kind of joint venture together. And so, the second book, uh, AARP Love and, and Meaning uh, After 50, uh, is is another way for um is another way for us to kind of get to know one another in a different ways. So, we're writing about couples at the same time that we we're, we're, we're negotiating ourselves about our couples relationship. And, and, uh, you know, we're thinking, we're thinking about a lot of couples, uh, that we see in our clinical practices. And we're talking to a lot of friends. And so we're, we're, we're kind of thinking, well, how do, what, how do we bring this home to, to bear on our relationship? How do we, how do we improve, um, our communication? How do we improve our problem solving? Um, you know, our, our and you know, how do we improve our enjoyment of living and our, and our sense of purpose in living, which are all things I think that the couples need. So it's been good for us to write this book together when we finished the book, there was the sense of, like, wow, we accomplished this. It was a good thing. Um, but we also we also had this feeling that, you know, this, this was a good experience for us as a couple.
4: Yeah, and then COVID well. hit, and it's, it's been um, unfortunate. I mean, we can do interviews like this, thank goodness. Um, but there have been a lot of public speaking opportunities that we, that we had with our first book that we... They're just not happening now, but... That's okay. I mean, it's it's, uh, one day COVID will end and couples will hopefully, um, having spent time together during this difficult time, will have worked on their relationships and and made them better.
1: That's a really good point. Carol?
2: Well, my my husband and I were taking a walk the other night and we actually made the comment (laughs) that, you know, this the last six months, it's a good thing we like each other a lot. Because having been trapped in the same house for six months and we're still on speaking terms um, and still, you know, happy to be together. But it, it can be challenging, the, the, the too much togetherness. So what kind of recommendations do you have for, for people who have a little bit too much of this togetherness right now? And that can apply to caregivers who are normally have too much togetherness with the person they're taking care of.
4: Absolutely. Um, it's like another pan- <laughs> pandemic of, of togetherness. It's enough and, already.
1: Um, yeah, go hopefully,
4: ahead. Go ahead. Um, so hopefully a lot of these couples like yourself, Carol, are finding that the togetherness is reinforcing. It, it It allows couples to feel like, well, we're glad we're together. This is such a difficult time. It's wonderful that we can lean on each other and maybe even feel closer because sometimes difficulties lead to closeness but of course there are a lot of couples who the last thing they want to be is stuck at home together it wasn't so good even when they weren't seeing each other as much and for those couples um, and, and also just for anyone who needs to have you know their own private time as well as time together um, I often recommend that people come up with a, a schedule so whether people are working or if they're retired it's good to have a daily schedule and to have an idea of how much time you'll have together, and to plan, specifically plan time apart, whether it's taking a walk by yourself or reading a book alone, listening to music. You don't have to do everything together. Um, it's important to, to have a balance.
3: Yeah. And then, and then in regards to, to spousal caregivers um, who, who are with the person they're caring with all the time. I think a lot of this still holds. That they, they, they obviously they have responsibilities to care for the person, so they they are they often have to be close uh, within the home. But it doesn't mean that they can't put uh, earbuds in and, and have their own uh, you know, recorded book that they're listening to, or or reading on their own. Sometimes being present physically doesn't mean that they have to be in constant uh, communication with that, with that person, that they can create spaces for themselves where they preserve some of their own uh, you know, individual independence. And, and so what, what I, you know, what, what are we are always looking for this balance between me time and we time? And there has to be a balance. It can't be all about, uh, you know, we're together constantly. We don't have any time for, for, us, for ourselves as individuals.
1: And for couples who reach the point where they really need uh, a mediator, an outside party like yourselves, to help them understand and deal with these issues. Does Zoom or uh, any other platforms work as well as face-to-face in your office?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that there are many, uh, uh, both mental health therapists and divorce mediators that that are, and attorneys for that matter, who are doing lots of professional work over Zoom and other video platforms. And, uh, the, the research suggests that, that working on, on a video platform is actually as effective as seeing somebody face to face in your office. So, um, you know, both Julie and I see clients currently, uh, on video. Um, it's not quite the same. It just, it's just a little bit different experience, but, um, it's, it, again, it's far better to, to, to reach out for help via video now than to neglect problems, to put them off into when the pandemic one day in, then we can all go back into, into offices uh, more safely. So I, I, I believe that, uh, that, uh, you know, someone who's having those problems, uh, there are some very good resources out there, uh, including people within your community that, that can, can help assist couples talk better, resolve issues better, um, maybe deal with past, past hurts, uh, better, uh, and, and that could be done now without, without, uh, without waiting till later.
1: So, Julia, I was intrigued by the title of your blog, and I'm going to search it out once we're off the air here, Shrinks on Third. That's a great title for something that uh, uh, deals, I guess, professionally with the challenges uh, that people in your profession are seeing and feeling.
4: Yes. Um, uh, Another psychologist and I uh, have conversations, which we release each week, about all kinds of issues around psychology, issues around social justice that have to do with psychology, and um, it's really a lot of fun. As
1: as you take a look at uh, what has become the new normal in our society, uh, Carol mentioned six months that uh, she and and her husband have been uh, locked in the same house. In my case, uh, not only have we been in the house the same length of time, but we have three little children who are now homeschooled. And if anyone ever wondered if they can homeschool, ask me about it. I'm terrible at it. But you do what you have to do. uh, And and that puts, of course, added stress uh, in any environment.
4: It does. And um, it's all the more reason why um, I have so much sympathy for people who are uh, trying to have their kids learn at home. Uh, It's so difficult. All the more reason to do self-care and to pace yourself and to have those periods of time pretty structured in where where you get some time to yourself, you get some relief. It's, yeah. it's so hard. Yeah, I mean,
3: even long before the pandemic, you know, a lot, lot of folks struggled with work-life balance, and now, you know, there's such a blending, you know, in, 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 at home between work issues and, and life issues, including, including uh, you know, being with the kids and, and, uh, and teaching them. But it's, uh, all the more reason, as Julie says, that you have to kind of very sharply demarcate what is going to be work time, maybe work in one room, be with the family in another room, um, and, and try to, try to follow that schedule so that, you know, you're, you're, you're living, you're still living a kind of balanced life and it's not all one mishmash of, 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 uh, you know, adding humility to one another.
2: Well, um, as before, we run out of time. If people want to check out your book, uh, where can they find it?
3: Uh, so, what I would recommend is uh, you can go to our website. It's loveandmeaning dot com, uh, loveandmeaning or oneword dot com, and uh, there, there there are descriptions of the book as well as links uh, to to different uh, books book outlets, uh, big outlets like Amazon or, or you know smaller independent bookstores if you would prefer that. Uh, where you can purchase the book. Um so I I, I you know I, I would encourage people to check out the website just to get a get a feel for uh, for more of what we're talking about today.
1: In the old days you would have said or go to Barnes and Noble's
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: but not well,
3: anywhere.com and that that's one of the, right. the links. And and so yeah, I mean in the old days we used to go uh, uh yeah, hanging on malls
1: too and we don't do that very much. No. Hey thanks to both of you. It really is a delight and uh, speaking for Carol, I know we'd love to get the two of you back on again. Uh, when it's so much fun to talk to folks, there's never enough time. So thank you. Thank,
3: thank you. Yeah, thank you a lot, Ron. thank you, too, Carol. And enjoy the Adirondacks. Beautiful place.
1: <laughs> Barry <laughs> Jacobs and uh, Jimmy Meyer. Thank you both. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernia. We thank you for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer.